Coming up this week on Sporting Journal Radio. Non-resident waterfowl hunting in Kansas on state lands, uh, Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks, shall be restricted to Sundays, Mondays, and Tuesdays. Vinielle's got to remember is red, right, return. I ended up winning pike. I fish, I hunt, and always will. Broadcasting from the Alclair Outdoor Studios. Presented by OnX. Know where you stand with OnX. We're not just a radio show anymore. This is Sporting Journal Radio. That's right. Welcome to the show. My name is Brett Amundsen. Thank you for tuning in on the network by demand or watching this on YouTube. Please like, share, and subscribe if you don't already, if you like what you're seeing. We try to bring you the latest in the outdoor world from Minnesota, Wisconsin, the Dakotas, and beyond, and also get you caught up on uh, what's coming up as far as new regulations, changes, and just what the big topics of the day are for people like you and me, and Dan Amundsen, who's sitting right over there. Dan, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. We hit that 1,000 subscriber mark we asked for. So. Hell yeah! So, uh, 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 uh. Thank you. Timing is everything here. There we go. <laughs> That's great job. Thanks. Over there. Yeah, it's always on ball. <laughs> I love that sound so much. I feel like I have to explain what that sound is every time we hear it, though. What is it? It's that guy falling out of the fish house, right? When he's, the fish house is still attached. He gets his fish house set up and it's still attached to the snowmobile and his buddy takes off in the snowmobile. Yeah, he's go go pick his, another buddy up and he's stuck in there. (laughs) Man. Love it. Are you thinking about ice fishing already? Absolutely not. (laughs) Dan loves the ice fish now. You know, when December rolls around, it'll be all, yeah, cool. Let's go ice fish for a little bit. But then it'll be January and I'll say, uh. So let's hook up the boat and go south, or where are we going? Because maybe not back to Niagara Falls. I don't know. I don't want to think about winter. I'm not even ready to think about fall yet. Yeah. I mean, it's not even July. Fishing is still good. This has quickly kind of become your favorite time of the year, though, right, Dan? Does it coincide with the, the when you started getting your own boats, you know, like when you got your own first boat? You started to hate ice fishing. You no. You st- still liked hunting, but you really started to like fishing more, I feel like. Well... I, I don't know. Part of it, and we're going to get into a little bit of this, I think, is I've started, the more I jumped into the hunting world, I love hunting. Don't get me wrong. I, I love hunting. I always will. But we're waterfall guys. That's kind of our main thing. It has been. And maybe that's shifting. You'd like to go hunt. That's not me. That's you me. like to go hunt pheasants. I know. Um, but we always circle back to ducks and geese and we love it. But the more we get into it, the more it just seems like there's a ton of drama, whether it's the guiding business, trying to get land, people being jerks, this and that, non-resident licenses in different states. It becomes a lot of work, and a lot of times we get really, really frustrated with not just birds not cooperating, but dealing with everything else that comes with it. And I can get my truck, back it up, hook up my boat to it, grab my rods, and just go out on a lake and go catch fish. Yeah, I, I don't need... A whole bunch of other other things. I don't need other people getting in my way. I don't. I can work around people easier. I can just go do my thing, not worry about it. Waterfowl, you're almost always hunting with people, and that's what's fun about it. It's a social aspect, and that's great. But I know people like deer hunting for the same reason. They can just go sit in their tree, be by themselves, do their thing, and it's drama free. And and I don't know. I, I we talked about this the other day. Um, when it comes to waterfowling in Minnesota and the Midwest. 
there's not we've done i'm not trying i'm not trying to sound like we're bragging or anything there's a lot of better hunters than us out there we've kind of we've kind of done it all we've shot a lot of birds we've shot all we've shot some bands you know we've shot some unique birds it's fun to go travel it's fun to go find you know the alaska trip was awesome Mm -hmm. but it doesn't it's not like you can go shoot a bigger mallard you know or something you can always catch a bigger fish you can always shoot a bigger deer so i don't know there's it's something weird because i still love it but i'm starting to love other things more and fishing has kind of become one of those things i love the mind game i love the the year-round change of the year-round challenge to it yeah there are some some opportunities uh particularly if you travel to fish open water year-round and there are some you know and i could see i saw somebody post something the other day on social media and it was the different stages you go through as as um well really as an outdoors man outdoors person whatever and it's uh and i think they had used hunting as an example and it was you know learning to hunt and shooting and then it was shooting limits yeah and then the next stage was shooting a trophy and then the next stage i think was mentorship and then i think the final one was like conservation basically and that was the level that a person goes through as they get older and i've i've definitely seen it and it and it's one of those things like you get really interested in it um you know, like say when you start pheasant hunting or start waterfall hunting, get really interested in it, try to get really good at it, practice your calling, go out and buy all the gear. You go out, try to get better. You shoot a couple birds. Pretty soon you're just trying to fill limits because that's the level of success you're trying to achieve. That's the, the top level that a guy can achieve is shooting limits. Then after a while you realize it's not always about limits. And you're like, well, gosh, I'd really love to have a, um, a you know, a white belly snow goose on the wall. Uh, you know, white belly blue goose. And then so you go out and try to target that trophy and then you get that done. And then it's like, well, gosh, Dan's never shot one of those. Now I want to try to get down yeah. one of those birds or whatever. And then after a while it becomes, you see the bigger picture as you evolve through it. And you realize if you want those opportunities for the next generations, you have to make sure you have habitat. You have to make sure that you have access and you have to make sure that you got laws and regulations in place uh, to, to create mindsets that focus on that conservation. So while you're, everybody's going to go through that limit phase, you also have to realize that it's not just always about limits. And sometimes you have to help people with that part of the process. So, and man, you're right. The waterfall world, and we have to do better job as water. We have to do a better job as waterfall hunters to be self-policing and good stewards of the sport, because there's definitely been, in recent years, I feel like, and social media might be to blame for this. 100%. Well, not 100%, but it's not not always helping. It's not always helping when it becomes all about pile picks and uh, who's got the latest gear and, you know, and then putting pictures on of a, of a public land spot and telling everybody, yeah, that's full of birds, yeah. or I shot these birds here, and then the next morning everybody and their brother's out there hunting. So it's definitely caused some problems, and you, you get into – you know, who's a, who's a better duck hunter, who's a better caller or whatever. There's definitely been a lot of drama. It's funny. We joke about going to game fair and it, it would become, you know, it's a, it's a lot of fun to hang out with like-minded people, see all the dogs and hang out with friends, uh, that you might not see except for this time of year only, you know, sports show time, time of year, but it always talk, there's always drama. It seems like, yeah, that's just that, that world. It becomes a, uh, uh, an ego check almost it's like you got to stroke your ego in a way and yeah. and i don't I, I i'm kind of bashing waterfowl hunting here and I, people are probably listening like oh look at this guy he thinks he's all cool he's too cool for waterfowl hunting that's not what i'm trying to say at all i still love it i just right. i 
September 1st, where am I going to be? Probably sitting in a blind trying to shoot some ducks and geese in Saskatchewan, hopefully, or maybe back home. I don't know. They still love it, but it's just, you're, you're right. We do need to do a better job. And, and I don't know, maybe, maybe that's just the world it's going to be. Maybe that's what the kids like these days. I don't know. I guess I'm not one of those kids, but, uh, I hope things can change and get back to the, yeah. the way thing, the stories we used to hear from our, our dads and, and grandpas talking about duck and goose hunting. Yeah. And, and you know, I think it's, it's for the most part, everybody's still pretty good. Yeah. You know, you just have some people and you have that social media aspect of people wanting to be the coolest kid on the block and whatever. So, um, but, uh, the, I think the other big thing to talk about there is access and what's happening. You know, the future of waterfowl isn't just making sure that we're good conservationists and mentors but also that we have good access and what you're starting to see too is different states and provinces restricting access for some non-resident hunters the latest example is kansas we'll tell you more about that coming up in just a little bit we're also going to talk about some boat safety and some increased boating while intoxicated patrols uh, that are coming we'll tell you uh, what you can expect to see about that and, uh, and then we've also got uh, some elk information, too, some elk hunting information uh, for elk hunters in, Minis- in Minnesota, of all things. It's always a weird thing to say. Uh, first, though, Dan, we got to talk about who the sponsors are yet this week. Yeah, you wouldn't have or we wouldn't have this show if it weren't for companies like Live Target. Match the hatch at LiveTargetLures.com this fishing season. Uh, Lake of the Woods Tourism. Lake of the Woods is the walleye capital of the world. Book a trip to Lake of the Woods at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. Hable Heights Campground and Resort on Devil's Lake. Book a trip to Devil's Lake at hableheights.com. Ottertail Lakes Country. Find your inner otter this summer at ottertaillakescountry.com. And Prairie Sportsman. Uh, you can watch all the episodes from last season and other seasons at prairiesportsman.org or the Prairie Sportsman YouTube channel. I know you like looking at that black screen more than my face, but too bad you got to look at my face now. That's right. Thank you, sponsors. And if you'd like to sponsor the show, just let us know. You can find out more at sportingjournalradio.com. Make sure you follow us on YouTube. We also have, I've got four Subscribe. You- yeah, or sorry, subscribe on YouTube, whatever, they follow like the, us. It's they all like the that same term. It's, it's, it's just the terminology. Sporting Journal Radio, our new one, Fish Hunt Forever, Taz and TV, look up Taz and Lake Lodge on YouTube, and then also Prairie Sportsman. You can watch all those episodes. So there's your homework assignment for YouTube channels to check out. And we've got a new video. It's either on there or coming soon on the YouTube channel of... Uh, Catching a big fish. Check it by the hour to see if that video is there. And if it is there, watch it every hour. That's, that's right. 30-inch walleye on Lake of the Woods video. Check it out on uh, the Fish Hunt Forever YouTube channel. All right. Uh, Jamie Dipman recently won a fishing tournament in Minnesota. It's an important one. It's for a good cause. We'll tell you what that was and how he did it coming up a little bit. We also have Joe Henry with a, a fishing report from Lake of the Woods. And, uh, and some interesting info about navigating the rainy river in lake of the woods and how all that works so if you're if you're new to fishing up there in your own boat there's some information about that that'll be interesting uh for you and we'll talk about elk hunting in minnesota and boat safety and another state restricting non-resident hunting access when we come back 852 million acres of public land 147 million private properties all in the palm of your hand 
the number one hunting GPS app just got better. With hundreds of custom map layers, 3D and topographic maps, you can easily scout on the road or at home before you go. And now you can get important weather details, CWD detection, and even know what crops have been planted where. Get the most trusted hunting GPS app ever made. Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx. Devil's Lake is legendary, and this summer has been legendary for walleyes. Don't miss out. Call Haybale Heights Campground and Resort today to book one of their modern cabins on East Bay. The cabins are furnished with a full bathroom, kitchen, and all the amenities like high-speed internet and are clean following CDC guidelines. Staying at Haybale Heights gives you full access to a private boat launch, fish cleaning station, and beach area. Learn more at haybaleheights.com. That's haybaleheights.com. Plan your trip to legendary Devil's Lake today. All right, we're back. This is Sporting Journal Radio. I'm Brett Amundsen along with Dan Amundsen over there. Thank you for watching this or listening wherever you're doing it. We appreciate it. Some uh, things happening, you know, uh, first of all, Dan, we had a great trip to Ontario. Great to get back there with the family. It's it, uh, it been four years in the making since we could get back to that lake that will remain unnamed. Um, <laughs> secret. That, yeah, it's not really a secret lake, but I don't know. I don't want more people going there, so well, I'm they, not going to tell you where it is. Yeah, and this was a family trip for us, so it's one of those things. Like, man, we've been going there for, for a long time since I was 11. and uh, yeah, That's up for debate still. That yeah. was a big debate. Is it 1987? Gosh, that's not me again. I disappeared. There I am. Was it 1987? We had that debate when the first trip to SAG was. Well, no, we're all getting older and can never remember anything anymore. So who knows? Who cares? But it's it's been a while. It was a fun trip. We found some walleyes. There were uh, there were some big walleyes caught. It's a couple over 30, 29. That's a, what's that? 27, Dan? Ah, uh, 33 and a half. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I forgot. And look at the colors on that fish too. That's half the fun of fishing up there. Is how pretty those fish are. You know, we see a lot of walleyes in Minnesota, but. Unless you get up to that northeast part of the state, because Canadian Shield Lakes, they don't look like that. And that you're not going to find a prettier walleye than one with colors like that. Yeah. Well, it was a fun time and it was good to get back with uh, the family. I hadn't been on that trip in five years, so it was a good chance for me to get back there and, uh, you know, have some fresh fish and see the Canadian wilderness. And, you know, it's still, it's still, uh, not too hard to go fish in any of the provinces for that matter as a non-resident. And in Ontario, you have the chance to buy a conservation license, which is kind of a, a, a half the limits of a regular full season at a reduced price. But if you want to go hunt nowadays, there are some different restrictions taking place. And I think it's the, that's just the, the beginning of the, the domino trail that is going to start falling. And the latest one is Kansas. And in Kansas now, they are proposing things. These aren't finalized yet, but non-resident waterfowl hunting in Kansas on state lands, uh, Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks, shall be restricted to Sundays, Mondays, and Tuesdays during the waterfowl seasons. So if you wanted to hunt as a non-resident on state, state ground in Kansas, you can only hunt there Sundays, Mondays, and Tuesdays. And then they also want to have a new non-resident migratory waterfall habitat stamp and a, for a higher fee than the residents. Now, uh, I'm reading about this in the uh, Wildfowl Mag had an article about this. You can find it on their website. But Tom Bedrowski, Tom Bedrowski he's a migratory game bird program manager, manager in Kansas there, said the increased hunting pressure can affect waterfowl distribution and behavior. Greater pressure can reduce hunting access and decrease waterfowling quality overall. This can lead to hunter dissatisfaction, 
especially among resident hunters. So maintaining resident Kansas waterfowl hunters is a high priority and Kansas cannot maintain its waterfowl hunting heritage without strong water, strong resident waterfowlers. So they're forming a committee to examine the impacts of non-resident hunting and trying to figure it all out. Now, I I see both sides of this issue. And Dan, we've talked about this on the show before, because now Manitoba is restricting some non-resident access. They got a seven-day license now for non-residents. If you're going to live there, you should have some priority. If you're going to live there, you're going to pay taxes there. Maybe you're living in an area where it's harder to find jobs and you're sacrificing living in the city or living in a state with more opportunities so you can have those hunting opportunities. You should you should have some increased hunting opportunities. But at the same time, if you're if you're limiting the non-resident travel opportunities, your small towns are going to suffer. Your restaurants, your hotels, your uh, small business owners in these little communities. I mean, let's face it, the small communities are drying up as it is. And you take away the hunters that come there in the fall and spend money and come in on a Friday and leave on a Sunday, you're going to lose that. So, uh, and again, this is just for state land. So federal land isn't affected yet. They've asked uh, the feds to propose similar restrictions on federal land in Kansas, uh, but private land is still open. So if you've, if you got a lease, I, I know they, they interviewed one local hunter that lived, uh, well, I guess he wasn't a local, I guess he lived one mile from the, the Kansas line. So he was a non-resident, but he had a lease. So that didn't affect him too much on his private land, but his, uh, but his public land. So this, these objectives, uh, are set. They're just trying to make it better hunting for residents down there. So I don't know, you know, Montana changed some non-resident things. Manitoba did it. I've heard some other provinces may go the same way as Manitoba and Canada. And I think you're going to start seeing more restrictions on non-residents. I guess North Dakota and South Dakota have been doing this for years. Yeah. So it's really not, well, it is new for the rest of the states. And these, we're seeing it different than a lottery or just day restrictions and this is weird, though. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it because I'll tell you what, if Minnesota did something similar, especially we live in a high traffic area for hunting. Yeah. If Minnesota did something similar, it'd be kind of like, oh, well, that's not bad. But I will say the difference that we have is we have a lot of resident hunters that travel within the state of Minnesota, especially yeah. to where we are. So I actually don't know if it'd make that big of a difference. Whoops. Yeah. Like, but I, I bet you that Minnesota won't do it because that's just kind of the way Minnesota is. Um but yeah, I, I don't know how to feel about it because I know the residents are probably jacked about it. But if you're mm-hmm. a non-resident, you're not jacked about it. And we don't like restricting hunters. That's the problem. We don't want to do that. But at the same time, I get it. Like you said, we know both sides. So I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. Well, it's different than, you know, waterfowl hunting. And even I know South Dakota did some limits on uh, non-resident deer hunting on public lands and what nebraska changed non-resident lowered the amount of tags it's like turkey turkey hunters yeah. yeah you know waterfall hunting is different if you have a bunch of birds on a body of water maybe where they're roosting and you put a bunch of pressure on them you could actually bump them out of the area and that's gonna that's gonna suffer you know then everybody that's hunting those birds on different properties around that body of water are gonna suffer so i don't know if restricting access to non-resident hunting on public lands to Sundays, whatever it was, Sundays, Mondays, and Tuesdays, or whatever the heck it was. Sundays. Not prime hunting days. Yeah, not, you know, and 
I don't know if that's the right way, you know, South Dakota and North Dakota having what, two weeks or whatever it is. And then Manitoba having seven days, you can go wherever. Maybe that's the, the better answer. They, they are looking at some boating restrictions for non-residents in Kansas too. And maybe that's just, maybe that's just it. You got some, you got some staging bodies of water. Maybe you make them some sort of refuge. Just keep non-residents off the water to bump the roost. Maybe that would affect it too, but those guys know more about the situation than I do. But in any case, I think you're going to start seeing more and more non-resident restrictions uh, all over the place. All right. Uh, speaking of a decrease in licenses available, um, elk hunters in Minnesota, by the way, I didn't notice this when we finally applied for our first elk tag this year, Dan. There's only 17 available this year in Minnesota. Yeah, I guess I didn't know that was less than normal. I, I've never looked into it till this year and nobody else applied. I want it to <laughs> yeah. stop applying. Well, the deadline is passed, so they can't apply anymore. Well, I'm, I'm banking on the fact I won't get one this year, so no. don't apply next year either. Well, it's interesting how they do it, too. For people that have applied for 10 years or more, they get some preference in the lottery. As they should. As they should. I agree. And then uh, they get there's a 20% of licenses are available for people that have applied for 10 years or more. Uh, 20% of licenses are available for landowners, <clears throat> and then 60% of is available for everybody else. When they do the lottery for Elk in Minnesota in twenty in twenty twenty they had forty two tags, in twenty twenty one they had thirty, uh, or maybe it was last year. I might have my years off. Anyway, they this year is seventeen. It's a big decrease, and part of the reason for it is because the Red Lake Tribe now is going to have thirty tags available, an increase from five. And last year was the first year that they had an elk season. They had five last year. Now they have thirty. So. Without knowing more about that situation, I'm a little surprised now that the tribe has 30 and we have 17. So I'm going to look into that a little bit more because I know the DNR has been working on um, this elk herd for a long time. Uh, it goes back to uh, 1935. They relocated 27 elk from Itasca State Park to the northwest. And now the, at some point now, they're going to start moving elk from the northwest to the northeast. We've been waiting to hear more about this. They needed some funding, and it looks like it's part of this big bill that passed here in Minnesota. There's $2 million going towards those. I think I think the $2 million is going to go to the Fond du Lac Band for the reintroduction process. We're hoping to get Mike Schrag and maybe uh, uh, Blaine Klemek on the show to talk about uh, the possibility of those elk uh, returning to the northeastern part of the state, and they'll get moved from the northwest. Uh, we'll have them on a future show here on Sporting Journal Radio. All right, and then real quick, there's going to be an increase on uh, – patrols. So if you're going to be out for the 4th of July weekend and you're going to be boating around, just know that uh, law enforcement's going to be out there. You, No matter the time of the year, please be safe on the water. Uh, they're going to have BWI patrols July 1st to the 3rd as part of Operation Dry Water. And Dan, as we've, as we've seen, um, whether alcohol is involved or not, there's been a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of deaths this year on the water. Yeah. Once again, I remember talking about this last year, a lot of people were drowning and um, when we were gone, someone went missing in the Boundary Waters. Uh, an 18-year-old was canoeing, fishing with his friends. I think it was Gillis Lake uh, up by Tuscarora, up the Gunflint Trail. Canoe tipped, and he wasn't wearing a life jacket. It turns out he didn't know, to, know how to swim, and he never came back up. Mm-hmm. And I still haven't heard if they've uh, located his body or not, but it um, not good news. And then uh, two kids went, two 18-year-olds were uh, cliff jumping off the Black Beach, Silver Bay, and... Uh, same thing went in never never came back up and i don't know if they knew how to swim or not or if they hit their head on a rock or whatever but um 
if the water's cold, like Lake Superior is, or if you don't know how to swim or you're not a confident swimmer, or even if you are, wear a life jacket, get an inflatable one. Uh, I've started to make it a habit to, uh, every time we're running in the boat, I'll take it off fishing, but if we're running, um, I, I put that inflatable on. I have the kill switch attached right there to it, so you always have your kill switch. Um, just be safe. That's two things you can do that's not going to impact your day in a negative way. All it's going to do is keep you safe and, and save your life. So uh, be safe out there. We still have a lot of water season left. I know the water's warm, so that's, the cold water's not a big concern, but uh, yeah. there are a lot more factors out there. Watch for tubers. Watch for skiers. Watch for kids in the water this weekend. There's going to be a lot of people out there, so uh, keep your eyes peeled. Be safe. Be sober if you're driving and uh, have fun, though. Enjoy. Oh, yeah. it. It's a fun weekend. Fun, it's a sure. fun weekend to be on the water if uh, you know how to do it right. So yeah. I'm happy Fourth of July. Just and, have, uh, just have a sober driver, just like uh, just like a car. Just have whoever's driving the boat. Just have them be sober, you know, and go out there and have fun. Uh, all right. Uh, we'll talk more boat safety and get a fishing report on Lake of the Woods with Joe Henry next. And Jamie Dittman comes up to talk comes up in a little bit to talk about his recent tournament victory. Don't go anywhere. Kodiak, a North American waterfowl film, is coming to the Fish Hunt Forever YouTube channel. I've been a sea duck hunter for about 30 seconds, and I've already got one that's probably going to go on the wall, so this is the coolest duck hunt I've ever been on. Presented by Boss Shot Shells, with support from Sitka and Beretta, and additional support from Alclair Outdoors, High Prairie Animal Arts, and the Association of Great Lakes Outdoor Riders. Watch Kodiak on the Fish Hunt Forever YouTube channel. Northern Minnesota's Walleye Factory is a year-round world-class fishing destination. The perfect getaway this summer is just a short drive to Lake of the Woods. Fish Big Traverse Bay, the Rainy River, or visit the unique Northwest Angle. To catch big fish, you have to go where the big fish are. Plan your trip to Lake of the Woods at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. That's lakeofthewoodsmn.com. We got to find out what the fishing is like up at Lake of the Woods. So we're going to talk to Joe Henry from Lake of the Woods Tourism right now. Joe, how you doing? Hey, guys. I'm doing well. How are you? Not too bad. You know, we're not going to ICAST this year. Unfortunately, we were looking forward to it. But uh, we had some other things come up. And, and we're actually going to maybe substitute that trip to Florida with a trip to Lake of the Woods. Uh, because you can, you can never go to Lake of the Woods too much, can you, Joe? Let's see. 75 degrees... Estimated 10 million walleyes, multi-species, 105 degrees, very humid. This would be, and I think this would be, <laughs> I think this would be Dan's fifth trip to Lake of the Woods if we go up there. Is that right? And it's still not enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Attaboy, Danny. Well, By he's way, working. Danny, I saw your video. You had one of the videos you had done up there when you were, you know, actually fishing by yourself and, yeah. uh, you know, out of your smaller boat. And I thought that was a really good example because, you know, you, you went out and fished in front of the gap. If I, if I remember correctly, mm -hmm. And a little choppy, got yep. a couple fish. He's like, yep. you know what? I, I'm going to slide back into Four Mile Bay, get a little choppy out here as the wind picks up throughout the day. So then you slid into Four Mile Bay, caught some nice fish there. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's interesting. You know, that Four Mile Bay, you know, I shouldn't say this on air, but, man, there's been many tournaments where I've pulled a spinner with a crawler along. You know, you know when, that, when, you, when you come out of that river into Four Mile Bay, and you have that deeper trench of water, but then eventually that deeper trench, it kind of makes the right towards the gap, and that deeper trench of water starts tapering down. I've pulled spinners along that edge in five to eight feet of water, uh, more towards the, you know, where that, that kind of starts getting shallow there, right? You, you had it right on. And uh, yep, right in there. 
And on the U.S. side, of course, it could be on either side because you get part of U.S. there and the other side of channel too. But on both sides of that channel, primarily on that on that uh, west side, well, I'll tell you what, I've caught uh, some nice walleyes in there when nobody else is fishing around me. Everybody's going to the gap or they're going out to the lake, one of the two. And uh, there, there, there's some nice fish to be had in Four Mile Bay. I think you found some too, didn't you? Yeah, honestly, that's where a better bite was, I think. It was still early enough that I think a lot of fish were still coming out of the river from that river run, and there were more boats in there, and it was windy, so maybe that's why there were more boats in there. But I saw a ton of fish get caught, you know, in addition to the fish I found. And I think when I was there, some guy out of one of the charter boats caught a 32-incher right right next to me, basically. So oh. it was uh, it was on, that's for sure. You know, that, that whole – the other thing, too, is out in front of Pine Island or even behind Pine Island in Four Mile Bay – if it's windy, but you know, there, there's always, not always, there, there almost all the time can be a nice bite morning, evening. If you're pulling, let's say crankbaits along the sand of Pine Island or pulling behind the Island, if it's windy, you know, there, there's an inherent bite that sets up winter and, and open water um, along the shallows of Lake of the Woods with some of the walleyes. I'll say that because, you know, not all the walleyes are always doing the same thing. Some of the walleyes stay deep all the time. Some of the walleye walleye slide in. It take advantage of uh, of minnows and things, you know, in the evenings and of course in the morning, low light. But but there's opportunities around there. I'll say that. So Joe, I'm looking at this map and uh, at the gap there, it's got the red and green marker buoys, and it says the buoys might get changed occasionally due to uh, wherever the best channel is coming through. Who who is responsible for moving that stuff? Who's in charge of all that? Yep. So it's a good question. Um, that's the that's the Coast Guard and. You know, uh, um, those buoys are put out by the Coast Guard, and Lake of the Woods, Woods is one of the very few areas around that still has a lamplighter. A lamplighter is somebody who's, it's, it's their responsibility to place those buoys to make sure they're in good working order. So if I ever get a message that, hey, we've had a huge blow and one of the buoys is off course, I'll call up this gentleman um, up at Lake of the Woods who's a lamplighter. He has been for many years. And I'll work directly with him, and then he uh, he shoots out there and corrects things. But John, that's also a very good um, segue as to just basic navigation. And you know, people say, well, sometimes you know, when I see red and green buoys, it's not a problem going between them. But if there's only one red or there's only one green, which side of it do I go? And you know, the thing you always got to remember is red, right, return. Meaning, you know, you want that red buoy on your right hand side when you're returning to harbor. So if you can kind of keep that in your back pocket, that can be helpful. And then, you know, uh, the other thing is um, it's also important. You know, we've had people, we've had some people run their boats up under that sandbar um, on both sides of the gap, because if a buoy goes off course, you know, the buoy is one form of navigation, but it, it can blow off course. Things can happen, right? So you, you want to use your buoys. You want to use not your knowledge. You want to use your GPS on your boat. You want to make an, uh, you know, take a look at other boats and where they're going and where they're not going. Sometimes you can tell by the color of the water. Sometimes you can tell if there's waves. The waves look differently when there's a sandbar versus not. But my point of it is, is that there's a lot of ways to make yourself a, a more effective mariner than not. And it's not just one way. You want to kind of combine them all. So Dan went up there and filmed that video. And what did you say at the end of the video, Dan? Uh, like and subscribe. Okay. Other than <laughs> you're gonna come back though, right? Oh, good yeah. one, Danny. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I, that whole goal of that video was to try to catch a giant. You go to Lake of the Woods. I wanted to catch a giant. 
and I didn't. I caught some nice fish, but it just wasn't one of the days where we caught a giant. And so we said, well, we're going to come back in a few weeks, which we had a plan. And uh, we were going to look for a giant, and that we did. And we're going to have a new video showing if we found that or not coming later. It actually might be out by the time this show is aired. Yeah. So. Uh, Watch it. Fish hunt forever. <laughs> like you, and subscribe. I'll give you a hint. We did. Well, now you just you spoiled the whole thing. <laughs> Go watch it now to see uh, what it was and how I caught it because it was interesting. It was an interesting method. It was a new method uh, based on some new technology. It was, it was using a live scope, Joe. We've kind of talked about it a little bit on the show, how it worked, but uh, it was pretty fun to do, and uh, Dan got that video ready to go, so... Uh, new video on the Fish Hunt Forever YouTube channel that people can check out. I mean, we've we've talked about it a lot here too, Joe. As the summer drags on, walleye fishing can get tougher in other areas. Whether uh, the weeds start to grow up too much and the walleyes get into the weeds, they can be hard to catch there or they and go mi deep. Mi millions of young perch. All the minnows are the right size. You're competing with so much. Um, yeah, it gets tougher on other lakes around Minnesota and certainly the Midwest. It really does. Summer summer walleye fishing is tough. I fish central Minnesota lakes a lot. Uh, that's where I'm from. And you know what? Uh, it gets real hard to catch to some of those walleyes. I'll tell you, Lake of the Woods shines this time of year. We are, when I tell you we're a whack on the heck of walleyes, it is no exaggeration. Uh, I can tell you that I know of some, not all, I always preface this, right? I want to be realistic. But I do know some people that have been having 100 fish days, their boat has, um, on the Minnesota side, they have days like that up on the Ontario side, uh, fishing out of the Northwest angles fairly often. But, you know, there, there's a lot of fish around. And one of the cool things is this time of year, some of those walleyes gravitate out to the deep mud. And part of that is because of the bug hatches that start this time of year. And that, that process or that transition has started. So I've been hearing just really very good reports from the resorts about fishing that deep mud drifting spinners primarily and just catching a boatload of fish all sizes babies eaters slots and monsters i mean they're all living out there again that's not where every fish in the systems there's still fish on the reefs there's still fish occasionally shallow we got some uh, we got some resorts that are taking advantage of some shell uh, some rocks right now because there's a whole bunch of crayfish uh, mm. in the rocks and those walleyes are eating crayfish so there's a number of good bites going on but Fishing has been really, really, really good. Yeah, that's that that's becoming not so much of a secret anymore. And, and I don't know if it ever really was a big secret, but uh, you know, using some sort of crayfish-colored presentation out there can be really successful. I, I tell you, I remember one time I was fishing a Minnesota tournament trail, uh, fishing tournament up at Lake of the Woods, and I can pull spinners like the best of them, I think. And I had, uh, and we had probably six boats working this piece of structure with some rocks, and and. Uh, you know, I was holding my own, but man, there was one boat that was just catching way more fish than any of us were. And after the tournament, they're friends of mine, and I asked them, you know, what was going on, and they said, "Man, we found a a, a spinner blade pre-fishing that had some red and orange on it, just a certain color. And whenever we put that spinner blade on, we caught way more walleyes. And that's I, because of all the the walleyes that we caught all had crayfish in their stomachs. So that was certainly a, a connection there. And I think about that now." When I'm fishing rocks, once in a while, I'll put on a color blade like that, which at times has, has helped, you know, hammered gold, you know, your golden pinks, your golden orange, your, your oranges, your, um, there's a lot of good colors on Lake of the Woods with that stained water. But boy, if you're fishing rocks this time of year, especially shallower rocks, don't be afraid to stick a little bit of orange in there. Well, Joe, if people want to come up to Lake of the Woods this summer yet, maybe start thinking about a fall trip or even, even if they got ice fishing on the brain, what should they do to get more info? You know what? All of our info is on our website, and that is lakeofthewoodsmn.com. 
Com. Live Target, the leader in Match the Hatch, is back with new lures that also match the action. Introducing the Live Craw. The Live Craw is irresistible to bass, walleye, and other freshwater species. FTEX winner, the ultimate frog, looks and acts just like a swimming frog. With an exposed ultra point mustad hook and replaceable legs, the ultimate frog has two styles, two sizes, and eight colors. And ICAST and FTEX winner, the Live Shrimp, mimics a fleeing shrimp for saltwater anglers. Coming soon from Live Target. Did you know there are more than 1,000 lakes in Ottertail County? Yep, and I'm gonna fish as many as I can. I'm an outdoorsy otter. Nothing beats a full day of fishing for me. The lakes of Ottertail County give me plenty of options to lower my boat and snag the perfect catch. Not an outdoorsy otter? No problem. Ottertail County has something for everyone. You just need to find your inner otter. To find your inner otter, go to ottertaillakescountry.com. All right, this is Sporting Journal Radio. I'm Brett Amundsen along with Dan Amundsen right over there. Thanks for tuning in on the network by demand, sportingjournalradio.com or by watching this on YouTube. Jamie Dimon joins us now from the Brainerd Lakes area. Jamie, how you doing? Good, good, good. How you guys doing? I didn't, did we interrupt you from an autograph session from your recent tournament win? No, no, it's pretty slow here today. Rain day. <laughs> Rain day, good. Congrats on the the Camp Confidence Fishing Classic tournament victory. Thank you. Uh, how was fishing this year up there? When when what? That was a couple weeks ago. So Father's Day weekend. Uh, it's always been that date, and uh, yeah, fishing was good. Everybody that uh, went for their target species did good. Uh, I ended up winning pike. I think Bill Shirt got third or something, and he might have done well in mixed bag, but. It was a good turnout, and uh, yeah, a lot of fish were brought in, so or weighed. So, how does that one work? It's it's uh, is there different divisions, walleye, pike, bass, etc., and then mixed bag, or is it some some overall tournament? Yeah, it's it's mixed bag, walleye, northerner bass, and then lunker of each species, and uh, you just weigh all your fish on the app, and whatever uh, you come out to be in whether uh it's third in bass or first in pike it, it scores everything so and you decided to target pike we did we started off with pike and it, it it went really well from the beginning so we just stuck with it and kept getting a little bigger and a little bigger and i thought we had a pretty good bag and right at the end somebody came within two pounds of us but we still got it so it was good it was a lot of fun wow this is on gull right is gull i mean people kind of go there for the, the walleyes primarily, but it's a pretty decent pike lake too, isn't it? It's a pretty decent everything lake. Yeah, there's, you know, uh, I think it took over four pound average for bass to win. And pike was six, seven pound average to win. And, and walleye was decent for a sunny day. Um, it's a good panfish lake. Um, just a lot of recreational traffic. What'd you do to catch those pike? Pike was just the plain old spinner baits in the weeds and uh, just find which color they wanted and, and the speed they wanted. And it, it was pretty constant all day. Oh, you were just casting for them then? Yeah. Yep. Oh, okay. I thought you were trolling. All right. And you caught three, three big ones, biggest ones? Yeah, we got three for 20 pounds. So six and a half pound average, which is, is decent. But we had a couple bigger ones. We had one bite off and one break a liter and seen a couple nice follows that were really nice fish. And, uh, uh, Jason Brzezinski, who got second, he, I think he got a couple musky, so they're starting to get caught in there. Okay. All right. The big old controversial Gull Lake musky. <laughs> yeah. I think they're like, you know, high twenties now, 30 inch. I mean, 
20, mid twenties. They're still well, getting there. Say goodbye to all the walleyes. It's over. Yep. They're all dead. All gone. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, you know, and that's great. And this is a, this is an important tournament anyway. How many years has this been going on for the camp? So it's been going on for 40 years, and I think I've been involved with it for probably at least 15 years. 15 years now. As a boater. And uh, it's been at different resorts, different venues. A lot of things have changed, but uh, it, it's a fun tournament. They also have a golf tournament the same day for Camp Confidence. So even though it is a tournament, it's a, it's just a fun day to help a nonprofit, and that's how I kind of look at it. Yeah, it's a it's a neat place and it's important work that they do there. Uh, why why do you like being a part of that tournament, Jamie? Uh, it's just something when I started with it, I've uh, kind of stuck with it. And there's there's so many good people. And once you go out to Camp Confidence and see what they do and see the people they help, it it's kind of hard not to stick with it. Yeah, I I you know I'd heard about it for a long time, and I remember that year that. I think because I cause I think I fished it with you one year, didn't I? didn't we fish it together yep. one year? Yeah. Yep. And um, just and then had the chance to go over to the camp and you know kind of get a tour of the place and see what they do there with all the you know the outdoor activities and the way the staff works with the the people that are there. It's it's just a really neat place, man. Yeah, it is, and they do so much there with different outdoor activities and uh, you know different skills and fishing and and wildlife it, it's just it is a really neat place uh all right and people they're always looking for probably some volunteers and sponsors for that tournament that can be a part of it yep. next year yep it's just confidencelearningcenter.org and there's lots of ways you can help and there's there's always different ways to help camp out with any kind of donation they have an auction they have uh different silent auctions through the year a lot of different fundraising events so there's um always a way to help if you if you check it out and it it's uh if you think it's something you might be interested in it, it's a it's a really neat deal to go see so dan pull that just if you're watching this on uh on youtube right now dan had a shot of the climbing wall have you been on the climbing wall yet jamie no i'm not much for heights <laughs> there's kids climbing that thing and you haven't climbed it come on no um, there's a climbing tree too where they go all the way to the top and ring the bell and it, it's just amazing. And they do a blindfolded, if I remember, if I remember right. Yep, um, blindfolded. I think they had uh, blind kids there the one day I was there, and they were doing it. Yeah. And they have yeah. a, a glass bottom boat to go do tours of the lake, and that's really neat. And there isn't any isn't many holdbacks. They'll 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 try to accommodate anybody. Yeah, it's a pretty pretty cool place. All right, uh, campconfidence.com. Uh, is a website you can go there and be a part of it. Congrats again on that. Have you been fishing around Brainerd lately? Uh, a few times, but summer's kind of flying by without getting out much. But normally, now I like September, October, September a little better. It gets a little cooler and uh, go chase some fish when their lakes are a little quieter. Yeah, it, yeah, that's a. I mean, Brainerd is great, of course, all the opportunities for fishing, but it gets so busy, especially in those summer weekends. Uh, gets so busy with you know with recreational boaters and and uh, you know tourists and and things like that, which is great. It's great to have a place for people to to come to and vacation and relax at the lakes. But uh, it's funny. I know when I lived there, the joke was that the the locals left on the weekends and everybody else came on the weekends, which, you know, it's like, um, 
um, custody battle, right? I mean, <laughs> you compromise right. and work well, things out. And also, you know, it seems like since COVID that it, town is just busier. A lot of people did move into their cabins and stay oh, really? and work home and work from their cabin. So it's it's even busier now than it was. Well, I don't blame them. I don't blame them one bit. Yeah, I haven't seen I haven't seen any pictures of uh, the 371 intersection in a while. But I'd assume on the weekend, Friday afternoons and Sunday afternoons, it's still pretty crazy there. It's even like that starting Thursday now. I mean, mm-hmm. traffic in Brainerd is is pretty tough. And then you throw in some road construction and a few detours, and then it's it's really fun. Oh yeah. Well, we've been talking, it's, it's almost been a theme this year, Jamie, we've been talking about walleyes up shallow. Uh, have you been around Brainerd? Do you find walleyes up shallow and are they still there this time of year? Yeah. You know, when golf started to change, um, with zebra mussels, we would find, and I still find walleye shallow on the sand flats, get them in the morning and you can kind of sight fish them, follow the school around and get ahead of them and, and cast with rapalas and get them. Or uh, you're getting right on the edge of the weeds in the shallows with bobbers and leeches now, where it used to be tried and true, you had to have a red tail and a lindy rig. Well, now mm-hmm. it's changed a lot. You know, it's interesting. When we did that summit, uh, the Minfish Summit this year, there was a biologist talking about the effect of zebra mussels on different lakes. And they said one effect is walleyes have been moving into shallower water to feed on different forage because in some of their uh, more traditional feeding forage areas, that's not there anymore because of uh, because of the zebra mussels clearing up the, the zooplankton or, or whatever it is that they're doing there. So the, the fish have had to move into shallower water to find food in there. So even on the clear lakes, they're finding walleyes up a little bit shallower more than they have in the past. So I don't know. Have you noticed that at all? Have you seen a difference in zebra mussel lakes and walleyes up shallow? Yeah, I would say definitely. The, like I said, they're they do run shallow chasing bait and you are seeing a lot more now since zebra mussels. Um, I think also the, the stocked fish are used to, they say that stock fish always stay shallower than natural fish because oh, of sure. where they live. They were stocked, but yeah, I mean, there's always a shallow bite if you can find it. Well, and I, I know you're probably thinking a little bit more about going to Montana right now and getting ready for that. Are you, uh, do you do like a Stairmaster or uh, put a big pack on your back full of bowling balls and walk around the neighborhood? Or how do you get ready for an elk trip to Montana, Jamie? I try to, when I'm aware that I'm going hunting, I try to wear my pack and do some hiking. Uh, a few years, like last year, I got a surplus tag, so I was not ready. And I just jumped in my truck the next day and ran out there. I think I got my tag on Monday and I was there Wednesday. So, Oh, wow. And that was a tough one. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it takes a day to get used to the that little bit of altitude that we're in. Mm-hmm. And that helps a lot, just being there a day or two early and just walking around and getting used to it. So we've been talking also about what's happening to non-residents in different states and provinces as far as licensing and regulations go. Uh, you experienced the changes that took place in Montana recently that affected non-residents. How did that go for you? What was your experience like? So I want to say eight years ago, I started elk hunting and you could buy a tag, a bull tag, over the counter in September, August, October, whenever you wanted you could just go buy one. And a couple years later, you had to start applying for one, but you got one. You always had to apply, but they just didn't have any surplus. 
And now it's every two to three years you're going to get one. You got to start buying points. And I've been lucky, and I've got a surplus tag a few times. I've I've never won a year without a tag. Hmm. So somehow. it didn't. Did it but matter? I've, Go ahead, Jamie. But like on the surplus tag, it it gets turned down a lot because when you do get that tag, like I got it last year with I think ten days left of the season, hmm. and how many people can or will just jump in their truck and run out there for a week on that short of notice. Right. You know, most guys like to plan their trip with their friends and go to elk camp where I'll just, if I get a tag, I'm gone. So I've been pretty lucky to be able to do that. So when you were out there last year, after some changes, did you notice anything different, uh, less hunters, or was there an attitude change by the locals were people, you know, did you hear anything from people that live there that they were in favor of the changes or against the changes? Uh, so many things are changing. Of course, I just, I don't even tell anybody I'm from Minnesota. I stay, tell them I'm local. <laughs> <laughs> but they are changing a lot. Um, some areas, and, it, and it, a lot of it is about tag sales. Some areas where if you had to apply for a mule deer tag for this special zone, and if you got it, you couldn't hunt mule deer anywhere else in the state. Well, by that, they weren't selling very many tags. So now that zone is, you can go buy a tag. It's just sign up and buy it, but it's closed for the two weeks, two or three weeks of rut. So this way they sell a ton of tags, but when the deer are vulnerable, they don't need to shoot them. So same amount of deer taken, but four times the tag sold. Sure. All right, Jamie. Well, I appreciate the info. Uh, good luck when you head out there. Congrats again on the tournament. And thanks for the time today on the show. Thanks for having me. See you later. Sporting Journal Radio is a division of Macaba LLC. If you've got a question, comment, or story idea for us, send us an email. Go to sportingjournalradio.com. While you're there, you can learn how to advertise on the show and visit our store for hats, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more. Go to sportingjournalradio.com.